0: All right, hey, we're going to just jump right back into our series this summer called Shaped. And each week this summer at each of our campuses, we're just looking at uh, a powerful, faith-shaping verse. And we've made them memory verses, so hopefully on your way and you saw these, if you didn't get one, grab one on your way out. Uh, we're just taking the week's verse and throwing it on this little... Decorative card. We gave away some decorations that these clipped to at the beginning of the summer. Uh, if you don't have one or you lost yours or broke it because they were pretty cheap, you know, throw it on your mirror or your fridge or your card somewhere. Uh, The idea is we just want you to see it and read it all week and hopefully it just automatically sinks deeper into your brain. Uh, You can intentionally try to memorize it. You could challenge your kids. to. We love you as a family. We really believe that God's Word is valuable and it pays off when we purposely put it in our minds, in our hearts. So that's what we've been about this summer. We've had several different speakers, which has been exciting. Uh, I'm actually really excited about next week and the week after. Uh, you'll have two more weeks off from having to listen to me, and I really know you'll be blessed by the people that are coming and the verses that they're going to get to unpack. And so uh, we're just jumping into this series and hoping that it shapes our faith. We, we kind of teach through what the verse says and what it means in our lives, and then we send you home with the memory verse, hoping that you will memorize it. I don't know if you've ever gotten an IOU, or if you've ever written an IOU, or if you've just ever felt that sense of I-O-U, right? If you're the if you're the owner, it's not a great sense. If you're like me and you love Dumb and Dumber, you love when uh, he should have given the guy a briefcase full of cash, but it's a briefcase full of IOUs, right? Those are IOUs, sir. That's as good as cash. And... And an IOU is only as good as the follow-through, right? So some dumb and dumber dude can offer you a briefcase full of IOUs, but it's really not as good as cash. And and if you're the giver of the IOU or the person who's in debt, then you just feel the weight of that. But today we're going to talk about a little bit of an IOU. And the cool thing is, um, we owe God. And I'm going to unpack what that is and how we do that and what that means, but the cool thing is with God is if we don't keep our bar- part of the bargain, he's, He loves us anyways. So it's good and bad, right? You can totally take advantage of God. He opens Himself up to that. He makes unconditional promises like, I love you no matter what. And you can hate Him and He'll love you anyways. But hopefully, it affects our heart in a way that we are compelled to love back because of how good his love is. So I want to jump into today's uh, key verse and to this week's memory verse. It's going to be in 1 John. I'm going to show you the key verse, and we're going to look at a couple of the other verses right around it, that little passage. So if you brought a a device that Bibles... Or uh, an old school Bible, or whatever you've got, and you want to follow along in your own Bible, that would be cool. You can open up way towards the back uh, in a book called 1 John. It's right before 2 John, conveniently. So, uh, but they're small and it's way towards the back. So uh, as you're finding your way to 1 uh, John, you'll recognize the name John. It's still common today. Um, one reason it's been one of the most common names for like thousands of years is because of the guy that wrote this book. He wrote. Uh, he was the Apostle John. He he hung out with Jesus. He was the youngest of all the apostles. He was a young dude, and he hung out with these other men, and they followed Jesus, and they learned from Jesus, and then when Jesus went home to heaven, he said, you guys are in charge now. And John actually lived longer than the rest of them, um, somewhat because he wasn't tortured and killed like some of them, and somewhat because he was younger than them to start with. And he became one of the leaders in the early church, and he recorded a lot of the teachings and the stories about Jesus, and that's in your Bible just called John, or the, the, the book of John, or the Apostle John, whatever your, your translation titles it. And then he wrote other let, uh, books, that we, we just call them 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, because he wrote them, and they're in the back of your Bible, and they're not really the story in the teachings of Jesus. They're actually letters that he wrote to the early church. This is how they would teach one another. They would, he he would help visit and start churches, but then he would write them letters to encourage them and teach them because he was one of the original apostles. He was one of these 12 guys that went everywhere Jesus went and, and learned from him and ate with him. And, and uh, so this is one of these letters that he writes to believers to challenge them and to encourage them in their relationship with God. So if you're here today and you have a relationship with Jesus, this is what John would send us. In fact, we believe that all of the Bible is what God and his sovereignty and his bigness uh, had written and then preserved now for thousands of years so that we could hear from him, just like the early church did. And uh, if you're not a believer, then I would love for you to just listen in on this is what we believe. This is what we believe God does for us and what God calls us to do in return. Uh, but if you're a Christian, this is written to you just like it was written to the early church. And so in, in the middle of this letter that we call 1 John, and he wouldn't have had all the little numbers. Somebody later on kind of broke that up into chapters and verses just so we could navigate it easier. So if you're in chapter 4, you'll see verse 11. And This is this week's key verse, this week's memory verse. And he says this, dear friends, or yours could almost say dear brothers and sisters, right? Who, this is who he's writing to. Since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And you'll see that phrase, God so loved. This is the same guy that wrote John 3.16. This is the same John. God so loved the world. He loved so, John couldn't just say God loves us. It's like, not enough. He's trying to, you know, it's like when your little kid says very five times in the same sentence because they mean it more than they meant the last thing they said. John just can't express God's love adequately with words, and so he's always kind of trying to bolster it. And God so loved us, and if you want to know how much that so loved is, just look at the Last couple of verses before this. In verse 9, he says this. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. That, That phrase, atoning sacrifice, simply means Every human being is guilty before the Lord God Almighty because of their sin. But this atoning sacrifice covers it for us. That whoever puts their faith in Jesus as the Savior of their soul is forgiven, is granted full pardon by the creator of the universe. He so loved us that he sent his only son to lay down his life in our Place So when John says in verse 11, so this is how much God loves, he's already explained to the church, he's, he's constantly reminding people how great God's love is. And you could choose not to love God back, and he loves you anyways. And he opens himself up to totally being taken for granted and taken advantage of. But John's saying if you get a glimpse of how big and how amazing, how whole and perfect and complete God's love is, it'll change who you are. It'll change inside your heart so that you want to love him back and you want to live your life differently. So he spends verse nine and 10 talking about how great God's love is. Actually, the verse before that famously says God is love. Even if you don't go to church, you've heard that, right? Like, not that God is loving. God is love. Love is God. Any good love that we've ever thought of or heard of or experienced originated with God, who it just exists as love. John didn't know how else to explain it. And so in verse 80, he says, God is love. And he sent his only son, who paid the death penalty in our place, forgiving our sins. And how much does he love us? Well, he he chose to love us first. Now, maybe you've heard that phrase, uh, because he first loved me, right? You might love God, but only because you've experienced his love first. He, he loved you before you had a chance to love him back. He loves you before you chose to love him back. He chooses to love us even though we're like his enemy. Romans 5.8 says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Painting this image that while we were literally against him, you know, unlovable and unhopeless, un- He sent his son to die in our place so that we might spend eternity with him. It's the greatest act of love humanity could ever experience. This is how much God loved us. This is God loving us first, taking the first step, saying, I love you no matter what. I love you even if you never come to love me back. I love you no matter what you say or do or think, and I will never stop loving you. He loves you first. He took that first step. That's not how us humans do it. That's not how my wife does it, let me tell you, because I loved her for a long time before she ever loved me back, right? Like, I mean, I noticed her way before she ever noticed me. I was waiting for her to like me and love me way before she knew my name, and eventually she felt sorry for me or something, and I wore her down, right? Like, I had to make the first step in that relationship. But that's not how it works with God. He's taken the first step in every human existence that's ever come to be, because while we were still sinners, before we were In fact, God has loved you every second since the moment you were conceived. And he's had good plans for you before you were conceived. And, And there's no such thing as a human accident. God has plans for every human that's ever existed. And he has taken the first step, and he always loves first. God is love. He made us because he's loving. He sent Jesus because he's loving. And he wants to forgive the sins that we deserve to be punished for, but he let Jesus pay that price for us. Um, his love is perfect. His love is never changing, never lacking, never failing. Like we, we can't show each other perfect love, but we experience perfect love from our heavenly Father. And that's why in verse 11, John writes, dear friends, since God so loved, like if you just get a little bit of an understanding of the hugeness of his love, since, since we can experience that, he says we ought to love one another. I want to look at this phrase, ought to. This is where I was talking about the IOU because this phrase you know we say I ought to like I ought to mow the grass, you know, but it's too hot out or I ought to lose some weight, but I don't want to right like we, we use that phrase lightly, but this phrase carries with it the idea of, of owing a debt you know it's not like just a good idea or maybe I should get around to that it's this is what I owe this is this is What is owed from me? There's a debt that I carry because of the love I've experienced. And so the phrase means we owe it like we owe a debt. I would kind of break it down like this. Since God loves me, or as John would say, since God loves me so, he so much loves me, I owe it to others to love them. If you think about the way God took the first step and he loves you no matter what, even though you don't deserve it, and while we were yet sinners and and dirty and disgusting and enemies against God, he loved us anyways and he laid his life down so he could forgive us for the sins that we deserve to be punished for. I didn't deserve God's love and he loved me first. You don't deserve God's love, but he loves you first. Then we owe it to others to try to show that love. If we've experienced that much love from God, then we carry with us a debt from God to others that... I owe it to others to love them. Who am I to hoard that love and goodness for myself and grace and not offer that to someone else? Now, it's not always easy, but hopefully in our hearts, we feel that sense of urgency, that sense of, of indebtedness to God that we should love other people. So who are we to keep that goodness to ourselves? We owe it to others, but also we, we owe it to God to love others. You know, Think about this. God loves them first. Whoever them is in your life, could be a family member, a co-worker, a neighbor, a classmate, someone that you know well, someone that you don't know well, someone that you wish you didn't know at all, right? God loves them first, and he loves them perfectly, even though they don't deserve it. And if people matter to God, then people must matter to God's people. They should matter to us. And we owe it to them to show them the love that we've experienced, and we owe it to God. You know, he says, the most important commandment in the whole world is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, and by the way, and then go love everybody else. Love your neighbor as yourself. You can't pay God back. All he asks of his children is to love other people. You... you, you. We can't make it up to him, but he says, just show, you, show that love to others. Give that love away to other people. That's how you love me back. And so we owe it to people to love them because of what we've experienced from God, but we owe it to God to love the people that he created and that he sent his son to die for and that he loves no matter what. And since God loves me so much, I ought to love each other, one another, love everyone. Now, All over Scripture, we see that God is love and he calls his people to be loving. We're, We're told to love all people, love the whole world, right? But then we're specifically told to love one another. Think about the Apostle John is writing a letter to a church, to a group of Christians, just like if we're here today and he was standing on stage instead of me. And he's using this language, we must love one another. So yes, Christians are called to love anyone and everyone that they ever meet. But we're especially called to love other Christians in our church and from other churches and in other countries who speak other language and in Guatemala and everything else. Like, there's a extra level of indebtedness to loving each other when it comes to Christians loving one another. And this is what John talks about all the time. And in this verse, he says, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. Since God loves me, I owe it to others to try to love them. Since God loves me so much, I owe it to God to love others and then the Apostle John, the next verse, says something really interesting. In verse 12, he says this, no one has ever seen God. That makes sense. You've never seen God. He's invisible. He's not, he doesn't exist the way that you and I and other humans and puppies and things like that exist. He's, he's a spirit. He's a being. He's, he's bigger than we can understand. In fact, he says to Moses, if anyone even got a glimpse of me, they would die because of my radiance and my holiness and my majesty. You can't even, you can't even conceive that thought. That's so John says, hey, no one, no one can actually look God in the eye. No one sees God. But if we, us believer folks, us Christians, if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. This is a big deal. The way I would say this is this. People see God by seeing God's people. And if you're here today and you're a believer in Jesus, this is the indebtedness, the, the call on our lives. That we would live in such a way, especially loving each other in such a way, that other people would see God through you. They would see God through us. They would see God through our relationships. They would see God in the way we manage our families and and live our lives and and treat one another and and operate as a church. People see God by seeing God's people. He, He chose to do it this way which I'm not sure was his best decision, right? Like he's putting all of his faith in all of his eggs in our basket. He's hoping that we get it right enough times that more people get to hear this good message. But this was his plan. There's only plan A. He says to his disciples, go make more disciples. You guys, I empower you all to do it and teach them to make more disciples and it'll just keep going until I come back someday. That's plan A, there is no plan B. And people don't get to see God And for a little while, Jesus physically walked on earth. But when he went back to heaven, he sent his spirit into everyone who follows him that they would be empowered to do amazing things in his name. And although we are not perfect, it's working, right? These people lived on a different continent and they spoke a different language. And here we are in America speaking English, worshiping our heavenly father, the same God that they worshiped back then. And that's because over generations and decades and centuries, Christians have been filled with his Holy Spirit to love others in his name, and people see God by seeing God's people. And more people put their faith in him and then they're invited to be on the team at full capacity. There's no junior members on the team that Jesus pulls together. And so all of us, this is the call, that we would live in such a way and love, especially loving each other in such a way that other people would take notice, that they would, they would want to join the team. They would want to worship at that church. They would want to worship that God. This is God's plan. It's a little bit scary when you're like me and you're on the team. You're like, I don't, know, I don't know what God was thinking with me on the team. But the same Spirit that rose Jesus from the day, rose Jesus from the grave is alive in all of us, everywhere we go, and that's His plan. And that, as like, Paul, uh, like John says, as we love one another, people will see God through us. Okay. And this is interesting. The apostle John heard this straight from Jesus. In his, other, his first volume, just called John, uh, in chapter 13, he says this. Jesus is talking. He says, A new command I give you. He's talking to his disciples. Love one another. Now, that's not a new command. They knew they were supposed to love one another. They knew they were supposed to love all kinds of people and any, any kind of people. But here's the new part. This is where Jesus kind of takes what they thought they knew and he ups it and he does make a new commandment. A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another, right? It's not just try to be loving, be as nice as you can, love people who deserve it. He's like, no, 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 I love you perfectly. I love you always. I choose to love you when you don't deserve it. Now that's the kind of love you're supposed to show other people in the name of Jesus. He ups the level of difficulty. And then he says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That when the church gets this right, people notice. When Christians love each other well, because we're Christians, but we're not perfect, right? Like, I'm going to disappoint you, I'm going to annoy you, you're going to annoy me. Christians fight, Christians argue, Christians disagree. But hopefully we can also forgive and, and be the bigger person and, and love each other and reconcile. And like it, when we get the love thing right, although we're imperfect people, the world should notice. And they should want in on that. And they should want to know that God who gives that kind of love and gives the capacity to then show that kind of love in their families and in their relationships. And so we're going all in on this idea because we're God's plan A. And we need to do our best to try and do this, but know that it only comes when we first understand. That's why when John says, since God loved us, by the way, here's how much he loved us. He sent his only son. He's our sacrifice. He loves us perfectly and completely, even when we don't deserve it. And then... When we get full of that and we recognize how big of a deal that is, we we find the strength and the ability to actually try to show it to other people. So the new part is we're supposed to love the same way that Jesus loves us, which is a very difficult way to love. So then John, who stood there and listened to it straight from the horse's mouth, maybe 30 or 40 years later, is writing to the early church followers and, and a leader in the church, and he's just telling them what Jesus told him once upon a time, dear friends, since God so loves us, we, we have to, we owe it to God, we owe it to the people to love them, because God loves us that much. This is really the big idea behind almost everything we do here at Mission, if you think about the things we, we challenge you to be a part of and we invite you to jump in on, it's because we want to be a church that's really good at loving each other. And it's actually really fun, right? So today we're, we're giving away ice cream because we just want you to hang out for 10 or 20 or 30 minutes. There's parks for your kids to play on. We'll get some beanbags and stuff out. And hopefully your family can just stay and eat ice cream, and we, we would love to spoil your lunch today. So, um... <laughs> This is our fourth campus party. We've done uh, monthly campus parties here, uh, a couple are off-site, people that were able to just open up their property and host us, and, and the whole reason we did it is so that we would know each other better. I say most Sundays, I hope that whenever you come, you have a relational connection. We, we don't want you just to slip in and slip out and not know anybody. We want you to be known, and we want you to know others, because God had created us to have these awesome relationships and and. And as we encourage each other in this, we get to know God better. So we want you to have a relational connection with somebody here every time you come. And hopefully, ultimately, that leads you to a relational connection with the God of the universe who knows you and loves you and wants to have a relationship with you. That's a relational connection that we are going after. So we've thrown these parties just to have time to hang out. Just so you can rub shoulders and share stories and make new friends. And, and that, that's the only reason we've done it, is to grow community. Out of that, uh, last year we launched a bunch of small groups. We're getting ready to relaunch our small groups here. Actually, starting next week, you can sign up to join a group. And these are just groups that meet in people's homes. So some of the people sitting right next to you are like, sure, you can come sit in my living room and maybe somebody will bring pie, right? And by the way, I always go to the pie group. So uh, that's how, you know, the Bible study is good and all. But, you know, and so what we do is those are places where you can be known and encourage each other and, and, and pray for each other. And we mourn with each other and and we rejoice with each other and we laugh and and we study the Bible and we pray and we definitely eat. And and the reason we do that is because God calls us to help each other follow him and to love each other along the way. There's no such thing as a, a single Christian doing it on their own. That's not the way God designed us, like, emotionally and physically, and that's not the way he designed the church. So we do campus parties, we've started these home groups so seriously, if you haven't been in one or you're in one next year we 're signing up all new groups, and so we 'll be doing that in the hallway starting in the next couple of weeks. So be thinking about is that something you want to do? They meet on different nights of the weeks we don't have a building, so we come here on Sundays and then we gather in homes throughout the week, and uh, we want as many people to jump in on that as possible we 're really excited about i 'll tell you more about it next week, but the study work challenging groups to do, and how that's going to be uh, just a really cool thing to invite people to and be a part of so uh, another thing that we do is these four Morris events. So this Saturday, we're going to be uh, downtown handing out water to people who are, are more athletic than us and running a 5K race, and and uh, we just want to be people that love people. We want to be a church that's known for being for Morris. The idea is a lot of churches are known for what they're against. We want to be known for what we're for. We're for our Heavenly Father, and we're for the community, and we're for great families, and, and, and so we're just like, hey, there's a— a way to partner, and so the health department asks if we could just hand out water, and th- we think they're doing a great thing, and we're glad to just partner with them and support that, and so it's pretty simple. We get to hang out, hand out water, tell people about God, and maybe invite them to church, and it's just a way to be for our, our community and to partner with, with really cool people, and so we, we do events like that. Another thing that we do, we talk about a lot, is our serve teams. Now, serve teams make a difference. Like, the, the chairs you're sitting in and then the, all the things that are working, the environments that you put your kids in, that all gets set up because it lives in a trailer during the week. And so, like, we really make a difference. And the people leading your, your children, they're trained, they're screened, they're, they're ready to go so they can do a good job. And, you know, the band practices all week. Like, the serve teams really do make a big difference. And we, we only can make anything happen with volunteers. So we need you to jump in. But we know that it's the greatest way to find friends at church. I mean, even home groups are great, but especially if you're a dude. Like, guys just like to do stuff together. So we got a bunch of crazy guys and girls that show up at 7 o'clock in the morning to start setting up church. And we actually have a lot of fun doing it, even though it's early on a weekend. Because we've gotten to know each other by hanging out and working and teasing each other and laughing together. And so uh, we know that, like, serve teams are a way for you to serve the Lord, which is good. But it's a great way for you to connect with people. Because we just want to be a place that whether you're in someone's home or you're starting early on a Sunday morning or, or you're downtown in the community, we're making relational connections. We're, we're loving each other the way that God's called us because he says when we do that well, my kingdom will grow. That's when he shows up. That's how he uses us. So all these are ways that we, we, we invite you to serve and jump in and join because I think it's good for you and I think you're good for us, but we're just trying to do it in a relational. I love that this church is so relational. We just like to hang out. We love each other and, and that's exactly what God wants us to do. So uh, as I wrap up, I just thought of a few ways to say it. When we love people, we show them that we love God. Whether they ever believe the same God in us or not, we hope that they're like, wow, I don't know if I believe it, But I'm convinced that they believe it. I I hope that my kids love God for the rest of their life, with all their heart. But I can't really control that. They might question their faith, but I hope they never question my faith. I hope they say, my dad's not perfect, but I know that he really believes it, even if they decide someday not to believe it. And I hope the community sees us, and even if they decide not to believe it, I hope they would know that we love God genuinely with all of our heart. That's what he's called us to do. When I... for a couple of years, I worked at a Starbucks, and I was like the old dude. I think I was like 27 or 28, and there was a bunch of like high school punks and like, college kids. And, and I loved it. I love coffee, and I love people. So I'm like, Sweet, you know, and they were like dragging themselves into work and making fun of all that. By the way, I don't know about the more Starbucks, because this was far away, but they all hated all of you. Like, they just made fun of customers, and they grumbled all the time, and I'm like chatting with people, and they asked me, all these like 19-year-old kids, well, how come you like people? You know, like what's wrong with you? And uh, I had an awesome opportunity to tell them about my God and how much he loves me and how he changes my heart. And I actually, I'm not faking it, I really like people, right? And and they didn't understand it, but they got to know that I love God, and and that's one way it comes out of me. Hopefully, your family and your co-workers and our community see that in your life and your family and in our church, that when we love people, we show them that we really do love God. The second thing is when we love people, we show God that we love God. We mentioned this earlier, but all God asks of his followers is, To love others. That's how we love him back. And so the more you get good at loving other people, and the better we get at loving each other, the more God knows we love him. There's nothing else we can do for God. And so it's really cool that when we love each other, we show God that we love him. And the third thing is, when we love people, we show them that God loves them. This is what the Apostle John said in verse 12, that no one can see God, but people see God by seeing God's people. And so when we love people, whether they ever believe or not, hopefully they realize not only do we love God, but He loves them. And, and, and the Holy Spirit can work on their heart and we'll pray that it takes root and it makes a big difference, but hopefully they'll at least get the message that we believe that God loves them. Because people see God by seeing God's people. I want to wrap up with just a kind of a funny story for me, but uh, a really cool example of how this works. So my first year at college, uh, well my first year I went to JJC and lived at home and then Uh, My second year, I went to Moody Bible Institutes, downtown Chicago. I knew one person there. Uh, He was a couple years older than me. His name's Justin, and uh, Justin Lives. Some people here know him. He was a friend of mine from, like, our home church, and and, uh, so he's there as, like, a senior who, like, but just showed up to volunteer to help new students. New students had to go like half a week earlier. So I'm, like, the campus is pretty early. It's a bunch of people who don't know anybody like me. But I had one friend there, and he's there to volunteer and help new students. And so I'm hanging out with him like in the evening, and uh, we're walking around, you know, on campus, and we come to this guy. His name's Dave. And I didn't know Dave, but I just remember uh, Justin knew Dave. And so we're meeting for the first time, and this guy, Dave, he's real quirky. He's a great guy, but, you know, he's just, you know, some people. And so... Uh, He's one of these guys, he just kinda like says something and it is so. And so like, you may have said something like this, but when Dave says it, he, I mean, he, it changes everything. And so he looks at me and he looks at Justin and he's like, well, if you're a friend of Justin, you're a friend of mine. I was like, hey, cool, I got two friends, you know? I figured that's just something he says. That night, this is before we all had cell phones in our pockets, he finds the number to my room and my phone starts ringing. I don't have any friends, I got one friend on campus, but I answer, it's Dave, my new buddy, right? He just decided we were friends. And uh, so he's like, hey, just thought I'd, you know, call you, blah, blah, He had some updates for me. And so he's like, uh, uh, Justin plays volleyball. You want to play volleyball? And I was like, I like volleyball. I never played. Well, it's Moody Bibles too, right? Like, we had some good athletes and then some guys like me that were able to, like, walk on the team. But I would have done that if it wasn't for my new friend Dave, who I barely knew. He's like, you should—and I'll tell you, those couple of years on the volleyball team were some of the f- most fun— awesome times with a group of godly men that I've had in my whole life. And I'm so thankful that my brand new buddy who just decided we were friends called me and told me to do it. And he's like, oh, also, I run all the intramurals. So you need a job? I'll get you a job. You can be a referee. So like before school started, I was hired. And I he just got me a job. And I, it was really fun. And it was a good way to like work on campus. And it fit my schedule. And like, and he became a really good friend of mine for years. He'll still call me out of the blue. I think because like 20 years ago, he just decided we are friends, right? And that's just how Dave is. And I, I'll never Forget, he just looked at Justin and he looked at me and he said, We're friends because I was friends with Justin. But what's really funny is three years later, I'm on campus early because volleyball guys would come back early, and there's a new guy on my floor. So I'm kind of walking around with him at campus, and who do we run into but Dave? I don't know why he went to school for like 15 years or something, but he's still there. (laughs) He said it's because he took a lot of Greek and there was more semester. I don't know what his problem was, but we run into Dave almost in the same spot on campus. And I was like, hey, this is Brian. His name's Brian. We call him B-Turtle. I don't remember why we called him B-Turtle, but I barely remember his real name. And I'll never forget it. I wasn't meaning for this to happen. It like, took me back. But now Dave looks at me, and he looks at B-Turtle. And he says, well, if you're a friend of Eric, you're a friend of mine. And guess who he talked into joining the volleyball team? For real. This guy was just, he just, Dave said we're friends now. And so it's just the coolest example of just deciding... I'm going to love you because I'm supposed to. Because, you know, like, think about the church. Now, we're called to love everybody, but we're especially called to love one another. And not just in Mission Bible Church Morris, but in the family of Jesus, all believers, that we would look at each other, and we would look at Jesus, you know, because we're brothers and sisters in Jesus. And we would just have that mindset to say, if you're a friend of Jesus, I, I love you too. If you matter that much, if if you're part of the family, I will just decide. You might look different than me, talk differently. We might not agree on everything, but I'm going to do my best to love you because I just decided we're friends now. This is how the church is supposed to operate, like my quirky buddy Dave. And this is how God operates. Because someday we will all, whether we die or he just swipes us up to earth, we will all stand before our Maker, And the God of the universe will look at you, and it doesn't matter how much money you made, how many kids you had, or anything you said or did in your whole life, except for if you trusted Jesus as the Savior of your soul. And he'll look at his son. And he'll look at you. And he'll say, if you're a friend of my son, then you're a friend of mine. That's how the kingdom operates. And that's how we are called to operate as his children. So I don't know if there's someone in this room, someone in your family, someone in this world that's hard for you to love, this doesn't necessarily make them more lovable, but when we understand how much he loves us, it gives us more strength to do so. So I just want to close by praying that God would give us the strength to show that kind of love and that when we do, he would get all the glory and this church would grow, not because we're the coolest church, but that people want to follow the God that we follow. So would you, pray, would you stand and we'll pray and then uh, grab your kids and we'll have ice cream for everybody and we'll just hang out. Heavenly Father, I thank you for my friend Dave, and uh, I can kind of make fun of him, but I'm grateful for him for a, a bunch of things, and just the example that he shows that he just makes, he just says it, and then and, and he lives it. Would you help us to be the same? God, I thank you that we don't deserve to be your friend, we don't deserve to be in your family, we don't deserve to be forgiven or loved at all, but you sent your son, your one and only son, as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So God, I pray that you would make that a huge deal in our hearts this morning, and that we would go into our Sunday afternoons and our Monday mornings and everywhere we go as school starts this week, and that you would fill us with the strength of understanding your love so that we could show your love to others. We know that when we do, they'll see you. So God, we pray that you'll get all the credit, that we wouldn't just say, yeah, we're really nice, you know, we're awesome. No, that we would say, God has changed our hearts and he loves you too. God, I just pray that you would have your way in all of our hearts. We pray that your kingdom come, your will would be done. We pray that you would use each of us to spread the good news of Jesus this week. And we give you all the glory and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, have a great week. Please stick around for some ice cream.